climbs on my lap for a good night hug. He calls me dad and I call him bub. With his faded old pillow, a bear named Pooh, he snuggles up close and says, I want to be like you. Tuck him in bed and I kiss him goodnight Tripping over the toys as I turn out the light And I whisper a prayer that someday he'll see He's got a father in God cause he's seen Jesus in me Lord I wanna be just like you Cause he wants to be just like me I want to be a holy example for his innocent eyes to see. Help me be a living Bible, Lord, that my little boy can read. I want to be just like you, because he wants to be like me. Got to admit I've got so far to go Make so many mistakes and I'm sure that you know Sometimes it seems no matter how hard I try With all the pressures in life I just can't get it all right No But I'm trying so hard to learn from the best being patient and kind, filled with your tenderness Cause I know that he'll learn from the things that he sees And the Jesus he finds will be the Jesus in me Lord, I wanna be just like you Cause he wants to be just like me I wanna be a holy example for his innocent eyes to see Help me be a living Bible, Lord That my little boy can read I wanna be just like you Cause he wants to be like me Right now from where he stands I may seem mighty tall but it's only cause I'm learning from the best father of them all Lord I wanna be just like you Cause he wants to be just like me I wanna be a holy example For his innocent eyes to see Help me be a living Bible Lord that my little boy can read Lord, I wanna be just like you Cause he wants to be like me Lord, I wanna be just like you Cause he wants to be like me
Spencer. Hi, Spencer. Wasn't that beautiful? <laughs> Happy Father's Day to all of you. And Grandfather's Day to some of you. And a great, great Grandfather's Day to one or two of you. I don't know how many we have, but it's good. As I said before, this is the family of God. When we get together, we just enjoy each other and celebrate what the Lord has given us, uh, Easter, Christmas, New Year's, Father's Day, Mother's Day, 4th of July, we will not forget that, and praise God for us, each and every one of you here today. Let's uh, open our Bibles, very, very uh, known a portion or a psalm, someone, someone. Verse one. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. And he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's bow our heads for a, the Lord to bless our meeting. Father, we come to you this morning thanking you for this day. First and foremost, it's the Lord's day. And then it's Father's Day. May we gather all together as this little family in this valley around your word and see what you have for us. We want to hear your voice, not mine, and apply your word to our lives. Bless us as we listen. In Jesus' name we ask and pray. Amen. Amen. This psalm is a pronouncement of blessing on all who respond in obedience to the instructions of God. Because it both invites and encourages God's people to live godly lives. It also provides the assurance that the righteous will be rewarded. And that in the end, as we read, 
God knows the way of the righteous. The Holy Spirit sets the tone for us to aspire, all of us, men and women, though it's Father's Day, but all of us to lead a godly living and to hold forth the blessedness of godliness as it encourages us Christians to follow God's precepts all the days of our lives. There is a general, in the first two or three verses, there's a general uh, instructions on how to live. Though it addresses the man, the gender, this is what the Bible does, but it involves each and every one. We're going to look for about five minutes at verses one and two and possibly three on what the Holy Spirit has for us as a church here now. And it says the very first thing, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. There are three warnings that are given to us today to meditate on to begin with. Three dangers. The first one, or if you want, if you want to say like stoplights, red lights, okay? Red lights. Right, Adam? Okay. The danger of walking in the counsel of the ungodly. The godly man refuses to expose himself to the attitudes and ideas of those who have no place for God in their thoughts and in their lives. The company you keep, men and women, it's all for us, the company we keep reflects on the kind of friends we have. What kind of books we read affects our minds and our attitude. Do you agree with that? The world outside Christ is filled with crookedness, if I may say, and filth, regardless what others may say. It's what the Word of God says, and we stick to the Word of God. How many of you read on a daily basis the daily bread that we have it in our website? Not very many. Thank God for one, two, three. All right, all right. June 13. June 13, uh, Bill sent a note to some of the men when uh, the subject, can you believe that? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. In some Bibles, in the counsel of the wicked, it says. And I printed this and tried to read it always and hear what it says. Listen to that. In talking to young people, the writer says, about preparing for the future, I've had several say something like this. We must get into the world to experience ungodly situations and ungodly people in order to grow stronger. This kind of thinking has swallowed up so many immature Christians and eventually turn them against God completely. Sure, we're in the world. The Bible says that. 
And we're exposed to non-Christian situation. We go to school, we go to jobs, we go everywhere, we have neighborhoods. Okay, but we need to be careful. That exposure to those situations does not lead to embracing ungodly philosophies. All of us would mature faster by following the divine pattern suggested in Psalms 1-1. First, let's not our decisions and our choices be controlled by the counsel of the ungodly. Second, we shouldn't put ourselves in a place where those who don't know Jesus can unduly influence our thoughts process. Thirdly, let's avoid getting comfortable with those who mock God, his word, and his role in our life so that their thinking seems right to us. And he adds on the writer, counsel from such sources leads us away from God. Instead, it's best to get our training, our guidance, and our advice from God's holy word and those who know it and love it. God and his word, not experiences, are our best teacher. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. This for us. The second danger, we have to be careful, standing in the path of the sinners. The godly man not only refuses to walk in the direction of those who would poison his faith, he also refuses to associate himself with them. The group of people, this one we're talking about, standing amongst the, in the path of sinners, this group of people is more destructive than the previous one we talked about. These people do more than talk. They throw obstacles before you and me. And what happens when a person listens to these enemies of Christian faith? The person becomes spiritually dull, morally weak, and slowly begins to lose his or her sensitivity to sin. The Bible warns us. What has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what harmony has Christ with evil? And that's a warning for us. If you find yourself in this predicament, the best place to go is to the word of God. And it says, God is calling you, come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord. Period. Don't discuss it. Don't, don't negotiate. Come out. The third danger. These are dangers in general for all of us. The danger of sitting in the seat of the scoffers. What is a scoffer? A scoffer is a mocker. Some call them cynics. The godly man will not be found sitting there with them. They make fun of the truth and things pertaining to God. The man of God has no business to be amongst them. Those miserable people who devote themselves making the lives of others as miserable as themselves. 
scoffers and unbelievers who challenge God and mock him have meaningless lives that blow away like dust. These are rebels who chose the way of destruction and what you choose determines how you will spend your life and eternity. This is the general introduction the psalmist wants us to realize and know that. And may the Lord help us to follow through and obey the word of God. But let's look, uh, take a quick look at the ungodly man or the ungodly this today father. The ungodly man. The ungodly man is someone who is on the verge of potential tragedy. Who wants to acclimate himself with this world and to see what it is like. Suddenly and before long, evil gets its grip on him and he begins to savor what sin offers. Finally, he falls into the trap. And into the enemies of God and suddenly into a godless society as we know it. What a tragedy. Looking at many men today. Being drawn by the power of evil. Giving in to their personal desires. Resulting in tearing down their lives. Their future. Their innocent families. The Bible describes them like what we read. It's like chaff. Chaff. You know what chaff? It's like, like, like dust that goes away. Like vapor. Which the wind drives away. The Bible says in Isaiah about the ungodly people that we are surrounded with. The ungodly people. They have, they feed all the time on ashes. They are deceived. They have a deceived heart. And that deceived heart turned them aside. And they cannot deliver themselves. This is what the warning we have in the first Psalm of the Bible. But he then describes the godly man. And for us today, the godly father. And what do we find in the godly man? And what God requires in the godly man? And the godly man, the very first thing, as I read it here, he's alert. He's alert. He's awake. He knows what's happening around him. He's not just floating around, carried by every wind. No, he understands the importance of taking a stand in the world. And two words I want to bring to your attention, especially fathers today. Now we are coming to that. First one, he, the importance of refusals and the importance of boundaries. After all, life is filled with choices, right? Do you agree with that? Yes. 
We, ha we, we have to choose at a certain time in our lives. We have to choose which job we get. We have to choose the woman we want to get married and live our life with. We have to choose where to live. We have to choose uh, many, many, it's all choices. And blessed is the man who makes the right choice. And here says, there are choices, there are refusals. And I wrote seven points of refusals as a man of God, as a father, and I wrote this. And you can add as many as you want. I refuse to compromise my stand for Jesus Christ. Fathers, you agree with that? I refuse to, to disobey God in any way, submitting to his holy will. I refuse to dishonor my Savior in my behavior as a man and as a husband. I refuse all the enticements the world has to offer me. I refuse any form of sin that threatens my relationship with God and my family. I refuse to be a partner of an unsaved person that might destroy you, fathers and men, and destroy your family. And I just remember one, I refuse to bow down to any form of evil. The ungodly man, by his refusal to the world and what it offers outside Jesus Christ, is making a choice. And men, fathers, you will be respected by your family, your wife, and your children. You'll be respected when you take a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. This godly man, as we said, he's alert and has refusals. I said the next point, understand that putting boundaries for his life, which is needed, and he pursues the way of God by putting these boundaries. This is what the Bible says. We're going to go through that. And the very first thing we come across, the word separation. Separation to him is first and foremost not to separate from people. We have to live with people. We have to eat with people. We have to work with people. We have people all around us. And thank God for the people that we have in our lives, provided they don't lead us astray. But separation from sin I'm talking about. Separate a man of God. Men, please listen to me. A man of God separates himself from sin. He keeps himself clean. He keeps his robes white, unspotted, the Bible says. Keeping your robe unspotted. We cannot be men of God, men. We cannot be heads of our families if our robes are spotted. If they have spots on them. If our hands are not clean. 
our thoughts are not clean. Our eyes are not clean. Our whole body is not clean. God is calling, calling us, each and every man here, to separate from sin. This is what the Bible teaches us this afternoon now. This is godly. And you have to make a resolve. And that reminds me of Daniel and his friends. Daniel in the Old Testament, he resolved. The meaning, he made up his mind. He put boundaries. And he set up his heart not to defile himself and his three friends with the king's choices. Let me ask you a question. When they took that stand, these men of God of old, when they defied the king's edict, when they said, no, our God, our faith does not allow us to do so, and we will not bow to any image in the world except to our Lord and Savior God. They were threatened, weren't they? Did they lose? God honored them, didn't he? And when we take a stand against anything that defiles us, anything in the world that threatens my family, that threatens our lives, let's stand firm, men. Let's stand firm and let us take refuge in God Almighty. And he will never fail you nor let you down. This godly man, in addition, we find in the psalmist here, he tells in verse 4, if you look at verse 4, he does not take a stand by himself. And it says here, he is, sorry, verse 3, he is meditating in the law of life, in the law of God, day and night. He cannot depend on himself. This is what I mean to say. He cannot depend on himself. And what was his secret? Think about it. The word of God. The word of God. He leaned on the word to sustain him. It says his delight is in the law of the Lord. The word of God is a necessity. Do you realize that? It's a necessity to each and every one of us. Men, men, read your Bible. Study the word of God. There is no one that you can lean upon in this world. You might be failed by the best friends you have. Friends might leave you. A job you might lose. Those hopes that you had on high might all be shattered by anything today in the world. It's possible. But the one thing that you will, that will not fail you, is the word of God. 
and the promises of God. He found in God's message to his soul directions. He found that his footsteps is solid going forward. It revealed God to him. Gave him courage and strength to preserve and to overcome. His law. His life. His own constitution. Is in the word. Not every now and then. I sometimes ask the little ones, little, little ones, are you reading your Bible? Are you reading every day? Not every day. This does not work. We have to eat every day, don't we? Sometimes two meals are enough for some people. And some people need three meals, and Dean needs five meals. <laughs> I didn't prepare that, Dean. I looked at you. And we cannot live every now and then if you read the Bible every now, intermittently. We have to read the word of God. The law of this man was studying the law. Day and night. Day and night. Fathers, there's nothing better when your children wake up in the morning and see you sitting and reading the word of God. And when you wish them good night, I hope, you'll read a verse or two for them and teach them from their childhood that they will find solace and encouragement and faithfulness in the word of God. Jeremiah said in uh, chapter 15, verse 16, thy word were found and I ate them. He ate the word of God. And your words became for me a joy and the delight of my heart. For men who are used to study their Bible or read the word of God in the morning. And one day if you leave home without it because you're late. You know you're going to miss. You don't want to get to work late. But you know what happens? You feel that something is missing all day long. Ask someone like me. Okay. I've done it. I try not to. Eat the word of God. This is nourishment for our souls. He says, in the law of God, he meditates day and night. When I stopped to look at that, I said, what a man of God he is. Now, I read one of the great men of God. His name is H.C. Mole, M-O-U-L-E. He wrote, like the, he wrote this about the word of God. He said, read it on your knees. At least on the knees of your spirit. Read it to reassure, to feed, to regulate, to kindle, to give to your secret prayer at once body and soul. Read it that you may know with blessed definiteness whom you have believed and what you have in him and how he is able to keep your deposit safe. Read it. Read it in the attitude of mind in which the apostle read it, in which the Lord read it. 
Read it not seldom to turn it at once into prayer. We cannot treat the word of God every now and then. Read it and continue reading it. And you know, I read about one of our great, great men, Thomas Jefferson. Those who know his story, he said, I always have said and always will say that the studious perusal of the sacred word will make better citizens, better fathers, and better husbands. You want to be a good husband? Read the word of God. You want to be a good father? Read the word of God. And in his law, I meditated, what? Day and night. Day and night. One last word before we finish here. Is there any result for such a man? We know the result of the man who is ungodly. He's like chaff, we said. But the results for a man, a father. All of us, please, okay, who are fearing God and relying on his word. And the word, the word of God says, verse 3, he shall be like a tree firmly planted by stream water. Who shall be like a tree? If I ask you, who shall be like a tree? Well, the answer is the man of God, the man who loves God and loves his word. He'll grow straight and commands a good reputation. He will have a sound heart, strong in convictions. Above all things, he keeps growing, bearing fruits, and he will be an evergreen. In other words, all year round. The word says firmly planted. I want to draw your attention. He is firmly planted. Do you think he found himself just there by the riverside? He was planted. The word planted also implies purposely planted there. Purpose. The tree is not where it is by mere chance. And as men of God, as men of God, God has planted you within your family for a purpose. He's planted you in a church for a purpose. He planted you where you are now for a purpose. May the Lord use us for his purpose. Think of that. Fathers, future fathers, who are praying to become fathers, and mothers, and everyone else. God has planted you purposely where you are. He puts you in a family. Thank God for the family you are in. And don't look outside. Don't let your heart deceive you. I tell you one thing. Fathers, this family that God has given you is the best family you can ever have. 
It's decreed by God. It's purposely planted by God. It is put there by an intelligent God, if we may say, who knows past, present, and your future, and knows where you're going, and who gave you the children you have. And don't you ever think that it's not the will of God. It's the will of God where you are, and thank him for it, and live for him, and be an example for the family and for the children. Don't you ever think otherwise. Don't try to change it. You're planted there. And where did he plant it, may I say? In a desert place? You know what he says? Planted by what? By streams of water. He didn't plant you to leave you without it. This is what God is, to grow you. And what is the stream of water we're talking about? If he put you in a church, this is the stream of water you should drink from. And don't you go drink from any other streams. Because it will mess you up. I'm being very honest and open. Don't you go say, oh, maybe I can drink from there. You have the word of God. You have your church. Drink from it. Eat from it. Planted you there. Stay there. And serve in it. And then you will produce then what? The fruits. You will produce the fruits. I want to encourage you. Wherever you are in your life, turn to the word of God for encouragement and growth. And drink from the stream that the Lord has placed you by. This is the stream. This church is your stream. Come to church and contribute to your church and protect your church and protect your family and live with these convictions and God will never fail you at all. You will be able to discern what's God's purpose for your life with refusals, with boundaries, and then with contentment of what, what God has given you. So many people are not contented with their life, right? Actually, many people, they're not contented with the morning. Good morning, what's good about it? Did you hear it there? <laughs> How can they, these people be contented? How? Let your heart rejoice in the Lord. And be content with what you have, the Bible says. For God says, where I planted you, what I have given you, the family I've given you, the life I've given you, the job I've given you, be ye content with what you have. For he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Read it in Hebrews. This is what I have today. And this is what the Lord has for us today. He will be. And he will be, says, this is the man of God. He will be firmly planted by the streams of which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. Do you want success in life? You want success in life? Let's be men of God. Let's be fathers according to God's own will. Right? And let's go out and tell the world that we are men that we will not 
compromise. We will live to honor and live for God. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsels of the wicked. This is a godly man. Stands in the paths of sinners and sits in the seat of scoffers and meditates day and night on his word. Amen? God bless you. Let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this study. And we praise you for what you've given us. Your word to give us nourishment, to build us up, to protect us, and to give us joy and result, prosperity. Help us, Lord, to shun away from anything that separates us from you. Help us to separate ourselves from sin and live to honor you. Bless this day in our lives. Today is Father's Day. Bless each and every family here. Each and every father, father-to-be, man, woman, all of us, Lord, as little family of God. We pray that you lead us and you be with us today and give us a joyful day. In Jesus' name we ask and pray. Amen. Amen. I know you have probably something going on in your lives today, especially for fathers. Go and enjoy it and do not forget to honor God in everything you do.